The United States Senate has defeated what has been called a pivotal abortion rights bill, an orchestrated campaign to end the work of a United Kingdom doctor for prescribing the abortion pill reversal procedure has failed. President Joe Biden used his State of the Union address to highlight his disapproval that abortion rights are under attack in the United States like never before. The Colombian Constitutional Court has recently decided to transform the nation into South America's most liberal abortion regime. The state of Kentucky is pushing back against the mail-out of abortion pills and more coming right up. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Pulse, a monthly roundup of abortion-related news brought to you from a pro-life perspective. My name is Peter. I'm the host of the show. And with me again is my wonderful co-host and excellent commentator, Cameron Cote. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. It is good to be back. And, and you shower me with, with undue praise constantly. For anyone tuning in, Peter is the anchor, especially on this Pulse show. You have no idea how hard he works to make sure that, especially that opening quote, is polished to perfection. Um, he drives over this for, for minutes at times, hours, leading up to the episode to make sure that he hammers that entering quote. And so Peter is... Um, the epitome of polish and control on this. Peter, I am doing well. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing good as well. Uh, one short story before we dive into the news from around the world. Uh, I remember our colleague, Jonathan Van Maren, he was trying to record an introduction in his studio and I was listening to him and he kept messing it up and I just laughed at him like, come on, man, like you've done this for so long. You should be an, an ace at this now. This should be no problem until I got into the studio myself. And it's been like two years since we've been doing this. And the amount of times I have had to record introduction, re-record introductions for uh, our listeners uh, to, to know uh, has been has been many times. Um, anyway, so if you're laughing, uh, if you laugh at us making mistakes, I encourage you to jump in the studio and and if you can do better, <laughs> I mean that's amazing. But uh, wow, certainly I, I mess things up many many times. But Cam, um, this is not story time with the guys. This is the nope. pulse, and so let's dive into some of the news from around the world. On February 28th, the United States Senate failed to pass the Women's Health Protection Act. This act, which was first introduced in 2013, was set to enshrine the right of abortion into federal law, something Joe Biden had promised to do on the campaign trail. But it also set out to block many of the abortion restrictions that have passed in several states throughout the last many years. Uh, restrictions like mandatory waiting periods, counseling, telemedicine bans, and various regulations on the layout, the structure, and the staffing policies at abortion clinics, uh, those which have forced many clinics to shudder. Now, the House had passed this bill in September of last year by a vote of 218 to 211, and they were awaiting the Senate, hoping the Senate would do the same. But all of the Senate uh, Republicans who are present for the vote and one Democrat, which is Senator Joe Manchin from Virginia, voted no, uh, and a final vote of 48 to 46 was taken. Proponents of this bill needed 60 votes for it to succeed. And thankfully, uh, this bill this bill failed. Yeah, um, definitely thankful that it failed because this bill should scare the crap out of us. Like you, like you said, this was first brought forward in 2013, and they are making steady ground towards passing this kind of legislation. And like you mentioned, this is by far the most radical pro-abortion legislation America has ever seen and most countries around the world have ever seen, right? Like this would not only 
make the ruling from the the Supreme Court decision on Jackson v. Uh, or or the the case, whatever the case is called, I've, I've said it a million times on this show, and I'm blanking on it right now. Jackson versus something Jackson, whole health, whatever it is. Um, probably those listeners know what I'm talking about. Would make this a bit of a moot point, kind of enshrining this as a constitutional component, and we're only like 12 votes away from this passing the Senate. It's already got past the House, and they are anticipating that um, the ruling that we're set to see um, from the Supreme Court in June or July this year is going to be a rallying cry for Democrats and pro-aborts across the country. Like, we need to be afraid of this legislation, and it needs to kick us into high gear. That I feel like a lot of pro-lifers are kind of waiting with bated breath on um, the Supreme Court decision. We cannot be waiting right now. There is so much work to be doing, most most importantly on the educational end of the spectrum, talking to people because those educational components are going to impact how people vote, how people act when they find themselves pregnant. We've done a lot of coverage of the Texas heartbeat bill and how, while thankfully many people are choosing not to have abortions in Texas, tragically many others are just um, choosing to travel outside of the state to receive abortions, whether in Louisiana or Kentucky or other places, California. And so we absolutely need to be making hay while the sun shines. We need to be working as diligently as we can. And that's why I have a tremendous amount of respect for groups like Created Equal, who just finished one of their justice rides recently. They brought dozens of young men and women across the country for their justice ride, exposing the reality of what abortion is doing to, to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, talking to people on street corners, and on doorsteps. It's incredibly important to be doing pro-life outreach right now. And while we can have a bit of a sigh of relief and say, okay, we, we passed, or we, this bill failed by a decent margin, we have to be ready for this bill to resurface again in a couple of years once the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling has played out. And so by all means, celebrate, but let's not become complacent in this. Let's not think that the the Supreme Court is going to do our work for us and somehow ban abortions and and also educate every American on why they shouldn't want abortion and fill all of our pregnancy care centers with all the support the parents need. Like there's a crazy amount of work that needs to happen. And I know that's a bit of a rant, but I I, I just think that we need to have this in the back of our mind, I guess, when um when we're thinking about this bill not passing. Does that make sense to you, Peter? Am I, am I overreacting? Should I just be um, popping champagne bottles and celebrating right now? Or is this time to actually dig in and make sure that we're not um, sleeping while the abortion giant is working towards the next attempt on this bill, I guess? Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Cam. I think we need to, as pro-lifers, celebrate the wins that uh, we've been able to accomplish, that God has allowed us to, to get, whether it's in the United States or around the world, but also uh, be be wise, be sober-minded, as it were, uh, as to what's happening in the abortion industry. They're going to continue fighting. We're going to talk about uh, the Colombian Constitutional Court in just a minute and how um, they've changed their minds so radically because of some abortion supporters and that very same thing can happen in the United States as well. So the then the need to continue the fight, we, we look to the next election in the United States and, and uh, look forward to an outcome there that's favorable. We look forward to the Supreme Court 
making a favorable decision on Roe versus Wade. But Cam, I think something that we've talked about many, many times is the importance of the work of Created Equal. Organizations like Created Equal, like the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, like so many of these other organizations of doing the boots on the ground, educational work, going door to door, going to universities and colleges and schools and pedest heavy pedestrian areas going door to door. Because Cam, I think, you know, po politics is important and, and we need to, to focus on politics in the ways that we can. But we also need to work on changing the hearts and the minds of the people in our communities, of saving the babies that are vulnerable in our communities right now through the help and the support and the conversations that we can have now. So Cam, I, I think you are, you nail it spot on. And perhaps for those who want to get involved, um, I mean, check out Created Equal, check out our website. We have a Get Active tab as well, and we can connect you to uh, good ministries in various parts of the world, wherever you might be, to uh, to get involved in that sort of work. Cam, we're going to move on to south of the border, and this is your backyard, or front yard, as it were. Uh, Premier Jason Kenney in Alberta, Canada, has just recently released two abortion-related pro-life policies in his recent throne speech. Once championed as a pro-life leader in Alberta and much of Canada, Jason Kenney's reputation has, uh, as a social conservative has sort of taken its share of blows recently as he has consistently dodged the abortion issue and other social issues as well that many of us conservatives are concerned about, and certainly during his time as premier. Now, though unlikely, Cam, to significantly move the needle on his support or uh, now lack thereof from social conservatives, Many were encouraged by his recent throne speech, which included the following pregnancy-related policies. The first one is a three-day bereavement leave for parents who have suffered a miscarriage or stillbirth of a child. We talked about this recently. I think it was in, in either Portland, Oregon or Oregon State, um, uh, such a bereavement leave as well, which, which we recognize as a good thing. Um, and then the second one is working to expand and increase prenatal benefits for children, especially to mothers who are who are receiving income support. Cam, you're from Alberta. What, what are your thoughts on this? I think they are two very good, very small steps um, that absolutely demand further steps, I suppose. And again, like I, I feel like I'm just being the, the grumpy guy today, but um, I, I feel like this is a step in the right direction. I know that Jason Kenney has warranted his share of of pushback from social conservatives, pro-lifers um, throughout the country and particularly in this province. Um, let's be real. The, the bar is set pretty low, right? <laughs> like When he came in, we were talking about defunding abortion. We were talking about parental notification. We were talking about all sorts of things that would drive abortion numbers from the current like 14,000 a year down into the like small hundreds of numbers and all this kind of stuff. This was a major rallying point. But unfortunately, myself and many other pro-lifers chalked up too much of this to being Jason Kenney, um, a superhero politician that was just going to fight our battles for us. And now look at the bones that he's throwing us. Like, like they're, they're beautiful and wonderful bones. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great that, that we are now recognizing the genuine trauma for many mothers and fathers, but also just general grief and sadness that, that um, circles around um, stillbirth and miscarriages. I think this is wonderful. I think that it's absolutely necessary. I think that more provinces, more states, more nations around the world need to be incorporating this and, and also offering better support to pregnant mothers. Um, we've seen this um, work very well in Hungary, 
We've seen this work in other nations around the world as well, where they lead with legislation that supports pregnant mothers um, and families and allow that to draw people away from abortion as they continue to educate and legislate against abortion. Um, but again, let's not kid ourselves. These are <laughs> these are pretty small bones that have been thrown to us. Let's celebrate them, but let's not become complacent again. Um, I, I apologize for being a broken record on that, but let's keep pushing the United Conservative Party, Jason Kenney, and all those involved in politics in Alberta, that we need something better than this, and not we as the pro-life movement, pre-born babies need something better than this. This is a very, very small act of acknowledgement. But if there's something worth grieving through a miscarriage, there's something worth protecting from abortion. Someone worth protecting from abortion. So let's keep that in mind. Um, let's celebrate these small victories and let's push on towards greater ones. Absolutely, sir. And talking about a great victory, we go to the United Kingdom, where a National Health Service consultant recently beat an orchestrated campaign to have him struck off for providing abortion reversal treatments to 65 women for free. Dr. Dermot Kearney faced intense scrutiny, investigation, and potential legal charges for almost a year in a campaign, uh, a coordinated effort from the abortion lobby to penalize him and prevent him from prescribing this abortion reversal procedure to women who had already taken their first pill. Now, can we covered the abortion pill and the abortion pill reversal procedure? I think off the top of my mind, episode 43 and 44, but uh, don't quote me about that. Uh, but it was with Alison Centafonte from Live Action and Dr. Matt Harrison from the abortion reversal procedure, one of the, the guys who spearheaded, one of the doctors rather, who spearheaded this, this uh, procedure. And this procedure, it's an incredible attempt to save the lives of children after their mothers have taken the first of two pills intended to kill their children. And we know from anecdotal evidence, we know from some of the reports that we've been reading, Cam, that there are women who take the pill in a sort of state of panic and un uncertainty and then regret it afterwards. Um, and, and this is a way for them to save their children. Now, according to the Daily Mail, much of the criticism against Dr. Kearney pointed to the lack of clinical trial evidence proving that the treatment he was providing is effective. Now, his response, he pointed to two of the 32 babies he has saved in the last 12 months alone and said, look at the wonderful evidence. It's right here. To further highlight the impact of Dr. Kearney's work, the parents of the babies gave powerful testimony to his work. Two of them are here. One young couple whose background meant that having a baby was out of wedlock was taboo, said it felt like Dr. Kearney was our only friend and that the treatment was the best decision that we've ever made. Another mother cradling her 10-month-old son said, without Dr. Kearney, we wouldn't have him this beautiful life. Yeah, I mean, abortion advocates are always railing or have been railing against the abortion pill reversal process for ever since it was really publicized um, due to quote unquote lack of success. But I guess that really just comes down to the fact that success for the abortion pill reversal means failure for the abortion pill. And as we have come to learn, not only through the stories of David Daleiden, um, Lila Rose, Mark Crutcher, many others, the abortion industry is one of the, the sorest losers out there, and they are going to do whatever they can to prevent anybody from not only um, showing them as, as having failed in their attempt 
at business to, to kill the children that they're seeking to, ch- to kill, but also undermining their ability to get people to receive the abortion pill. And so I think this is a huge victory. I, I applaud Dr. Kearney and all those other doctors that have worked to prescribe this very, very safe um, prescription. This is something, this is a hormone injection that naturally occurs in the body. It's just progesterone, I, I believe. Um, you can you can find out more in that episode that you mentioned, Peter, in the, the Dr. Matt Harrison one. Um, this is something that is proven to be incredibly safe. And again, the idea that, well, it doesn't save all of the all of the babies, like that may be true. And yet in these scenarios, these babies are basically doomed to die because of the poisoning and starvation that the pills inflict upon them. And any children surviving, let alone the 32 that he saw within the span of 12 months, um, is an absolute win. If you can have a single child survive death, I feel like that's a successful um, procedure that is worth attempting. Um, we, we would never take this this stance in any other circumstance. If we have something that will guarantee kill 50 born children and we have a response that might save one of them, the fact that it doesn't save the other 49 doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to save the one. Those 50 children were, were basically doomed to die anyways. And so the same thing goes with these abortion pill victims that we need to certainly be really cool if the abortion pill reversal process saved all of them. I mean, that'd be phenomenal. Even if it doesn't, though, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be encouraging it and making it available to mothers who do come to regret their decision um, to kill their children at that stage of pregnancy. And so I think it's beautiful what Dr. Kearney has done, Dr. Harrison is doing in in North America and, and countless other doctors from around the world. Um, and I only hope that this raises the profile of the abortion pill reversal process and the experience that so many families have had with it in how it saves their children. That's right. And with that, Cam, we go back to the United States and back to the president that seems to come up in every Pulse episode, <laughs> and that is President Joe Biden. He utilized his State of the Union address several weeks ago to advocate for abortion and to trample, as our colleague Jonathan Van Maren said, on the rights of generations of Americans yet unborn, end quote. This is what uh, doctor, this is what Joe Biden said, the president, the constitutional right affirmed by Roe versus Wade standing precedent for half a century is under attack as never before. He was, of course, referring to the likely fall of Roe versus Wade at the hands of the Supreme Court and the legal protections being passed in states like Texas and others for preborn children. It's something that is devastating to uh, pro-abortion supporters like the president of the United States. He went on to say, if you want to go forward, not backwards, we must protect access to health care, preserve a woman's right to choose, and continue to advance maternal health care for all Americans. Cam, I agree with this in so many ways. I want to advance maternal health care for all Americans as well. I want to protect access to health care and make sure that everyone can receive adequate access to healthcare, uh, that there's a lot of political discussions and the best way to do that, but that we want that is something without a doubt. What do you make of this statement, sir? Unfortunately, this um, is, is just Democrats being Democrats. Honestly, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say on this apart from the fact that they're trying to whip up into a frenzy all of their supporters. They see the the overruling of Roe versus Wade as sending us back into the dark ages of society. And it's 
it, it rests upon the shoulders of pro-lifers, as we talk so often, and again, I'm being a broken record on this, it rests on the shoulders of pro-lifers to demonstrate that there is a better way than abortion. It is on us to demonstrate that we not only empathize with the hard situations that mothers and fathers are faced with, that we not only recognize the challenges that mothers and fathers are constantly having to deal with, but that we are working to solve them without killing children. Um, we can think, uh, I mean, we, we've just gotten through like two full years of this pandemic stuff, right? I mean, we're all really good at virtual learning right now, or, or we've gotten a lot better at the very least. And while I'm sure nobody is keen to, to mandate all of our students going back online, what if we leverage some of this technology into being able to support students who are going through pregnancy while in high school or in university so they don't have to fall behind? We have been able to work from home. Very often over the last two years, we've been forced to work from home at times. Why not be able to um, offer that for mothers and fathers so they can provide better care for their kids? All this kind of stuff. This is Joe Biden trying to whip up into a frenzy his supporters and supporters of abortion in America and around the world. And this will hopefully whip up into a frenzy, not just the Republican political activists saying that um, this is just a financial issue that shouldn't be a burden to all of Americans, but rather a social issue that all of us are working to respond in both private and public capacities, supporting the mothers and fathers in need. So that we're answering the problems that we're all agreeing on without killing innocent human beings without ripping the arms and legs off of tiny humans that deserve our protection as image bearers, not our um, destruction as a society that is more interested in solving problems quickly and quietly because we cannot hear their screams or see their broken bodies. We need to put that on display. We need people thinking about this and to respond to Biden's speeches with yeah, let's respond to maternal health. Let's respond to the challenges in society by actually helping people and not help people by killing other people. Yeah, Cam, the, the topic of abortion victim photography and using that medium in our outreach and our activism is something that we've talked about on the program quite a bit. And if there's any listener of ours wondering whether they should use it, uh, whether maybe they're using it now and are, are, are trying to figure out the best way to use abortion victim photos, we want to encourage you to pick up the book Seeing is Believing, Why Our Culture Must Face the Victims of Abortion. Written by our colleague Jonathan Van Maren, he gives several key reasons from history, from experience, and so on, for why we need to, to show our culture the victims of abortion. You can see the title behind me uh, over my shoulder, and you can find the book at prolifeguys.com slash shop. That's our merch shop, which is prolifeguys.com slash shop. Kim, with this, we head south of the United States to the uh, to the nation of Colombia. Now, abortion was once illegal in most circumstances in Colombia, but a couple of weeks ago, the Constitutional Court ruled by a vote of five to four to decriminalize abortion up until 24 weeks of pregnancy, a move, as I mentioned off the top of the show, that transforms the nation overnight into South America's most liberal abortion regime. Babies can now be killed weeks after they are viable outside of the womb. A tra tragedy, as our colleague Jonathan Van Maren says, for human rights, human reason, and human compassion. Kim, this decision came only two years after the Constitutional Court ruled uh, against legalizing abortion in the first 16 weeks of pregnancy, keeping abortion legal only when the mother's life is purportedly at risk, if the child is deformed, 
or in cases of rape. Only two years ago, something that's been overturned now, legalizing abortion up until 24 weeks. Now, as we've seen uh, and as we've read about, Cam, abortion supporters are a minority in Colombia. But as is the case in so many countries, we've, we've seen it time and time again, these abortion supporters only needed to convince a small handful of, of judges for millions of death sentences to receive preemptive stamps, a tragedy in Colombia. Yeah, and, and the business of the pro-life movement is going to be working on those death sentences, right? That that if educational efforts are effective throughout Colombia, then Lord willing, there will be very, very few mothers who are actually seeking abortion, um, as we've seen in Israel, right? We talked about it last month in Israel. Educational campaigns have been incredibly effective in driving down abortion numbers. And even though it is legal in Israel, um, very few people. Are seeking it in the first place. That is what is necessary in Colombia. Unfortunately, we've seen this in Argentina. We've seen this in Mexico. We've seen this in Ireland. We've seen this in many other um, nations and regions around the world where abortion um, access becomes legal through the um, activist work of their Supreme Courts or highest court orders um, outside of the will of the people. This is something that is going to need both educational political and ultimately pastoral need as well to respond to this opening of the constitutional access to abortion. Like you said, 24 weeks is absolutely barbaric um, to look at, but it's no more barbaric than within the first days of that human life, right? When, when we consider the fact that yes, at 24 weeks, there's a human being that can survive outside of the womb. What is the difference between them and a child that can't survive outside of the womb? What is the difference between them and even a very um, young human being, the moment of fertilization or, or shortly thereafter? Simply their age. Every difference that exists between born and preborn humans at any stage of development is related to our age, making abortion age-based discrimination. And yet these courts, these courts are ruling time and again that age-based discrimination is okay. It is okay to kill human beings provided they are young enough for us to be able to pallet it and push it behind um, the, the walls of our comfort and, and consciousness. So long as it's out of sight, it can be out of mind. And so long as it's out of mind, it can be accessible to whomever is looking for it. And so this is tragic. This, like you said, very likely will result in thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of deaths in Colombia. And I hope and pray that many of those that we have had the pleasure of working with in South America, many of our listeners who come from South America, whether from Colombia or the surrounding areas, um, will be able to respond with both clarity, truth, and compassion um, to be able to, again, meet the needs of these mothers who see abortion as the best or only option to help them realize that there are not only better options, but options which aren't going to result in the death of their child. And so um, tragic to see this un unfold in Colombia, especially as you mentioned so recently after the latest rejection of this constitutional constitutional challenge. However, um, definitely think that there is there are the resources, the training, and the support available for anyone in Colombia. If you are in Colombia and you want help defending preborn children, please do contact us. We work with various groups in South America and around the world that can provide you not only the training, but also the support and mentorship that you need to be able to fight this good fight where you are at. So please don't hesitate to reach out on our various social media hubs or at prolifeguys.com. Awesome. Cam, we have two news stories left, both from the United States. 
And one is a step in the right direction, one is a step in the wrong direction. I'll start with the latter first. A Montana judge has permanently voided a state law that stipulated that only physicians and physician assistants can commit abortions, saying that the law was unconstitutional because it, and I quote, violates Montanans' fundamental right to privacy and procreative autonomy by arbitrarily limiting their choice of healthcare providers for abortion procedures based on the provider's title rather than the provider's qualifications. Now, Cam, midwives and nurse, nurse practitioners also have the legal right to perform abortion procedures. Caitlin Borgman, who's the executive director of the ACLU of Montana, hailed the decision by saying, and I quote, this ruling reaffirms that here in Montana, we have a constitutional right to privacy and that right to privacy encompasses the right to an abortion and for no politician or law to be able to limit the intimate healthcare decisions of Montanans without a compelling reason, end quote. Now, the Montana Attorney General's office had argued that the state law was a reasonable regulation intended to reduce health and safety risks from abortions, of which there are some, uh, perhaps many, and were not pleased with the decision of the judge stating that, and I quote, once again, abortionists sued to lower the standard of care for Montana women in order to further their financial interests in performing as many abortions as possible, end quote. Cam? Yeah, th this is bonkers, Peter. This is this is strategic on their end. This is angling it so that any attack against this legislation is perceived as attack against midwives and nurses, calling them incompetent or something like that. I know a ton of midwives and nurses. They are incredible people. They are phenomenal at their job. But this is exactly what that last quote said, lowering the bar so that more and more people can provide abortions without requiring the necessary qualifications, not that anything can qualify you to be allowed to kill a human being, um, doctor or no doctor, doesn't matter if, if you have a billion years of medical training and experience that doesn't justify killing human beings. Um, and so this not only misses the mark on that, this isn't pro-lifers aren't trying to limit it because you have to be more capable to be able to kill human beings. Pro-lifers don't want anyone killing human beings. We're just trying to restrict it as far as we possibly can. But this idea that ultimately this probably traces back to the fact that, that they're seeing in California, New York, and other states where there's just not enough people who are willing to provide abortions because there's not enough people who are willing to... Um, <laughs> divert from a doctor who is trained and paid to heal people to a basically a mercenary who is trained and paid to kill people. Um, and just not enough people willing to do that, thankfully. And now they just have to open up the floodgates to let more and more people in because in hopes, um, they're, they're hoping that if they allow midwives and nurse practitioners to be able to do this, and hopefully they can scrounge up a few more people who are desperate either for money or for for other reasons, who will be willing to kill the, the children of the families in Montana. And so it's tragic. It's bonkers. It is a massive health risk for not only the preborn children who are going to keep getting killed by abortion, but also the parents, the families, the mothers in particular, who are now at risk um, in an even greater capacity. And so let's not get it twisted. This isn't about wanting people who are more capable of killing children to be the only ones killing children. This is about just wanting fewer people to kill children, period. And we will do whatever it takes to prevent more people from killing children, I suppose. And so that's the bad news, Peter. But you said we got a little bit of good news to finish this off, right? 
That's right. We're going to finish it off in Kentucky, a state that is pushing back against mail-out abortion pills. The Kentucky House of Representatives passed a pro-life omnibus bill last Wednesday, last Wednesday being uh, the last week of February, I believe, with a vote of 77 to 20. Dubbed as the Humanity in Healthcare Act, House Bill 3 mandates an in-person doctor examination for abortion pill distribution. It also requires the dignified disposal of fetal remains, updates abortion reporting requirements, updates current parental consent guidelines for minors who want an abortion, and affirms no taxpayer funding of abortion. Bill sponsor Representative Nancy Tate explained, and I quote, This bill would ensure that women have the information they need to make one of the most difficult decisions of their lives. Why would anyone want to limit access to to information about complications that could arise from chemical abortions? End quote. The bill would also change the current parental notification law to stipulate that attempts must be made to contact both parents, not just one, before a minor may obtain an abortion, and it raises the standard to obtain a judicial bypass. Additionally, the bill requires the parents be given an opportunity to take responsibility of their deceased child's remains. If they relinquish the responsibility, those fetal remains may not be sold or disposed of as medical or pathological waste. Cam, we are looking in the pro-life movement for the ultimate pro-life win. All abortions are going to be made illegal. We have here a small restriction. You can't mail out abortion pills. You can still take them. Is this a step in the right direction? What are your thoughts when you read this bill? This is absolutely a step in the right direction. And and like you said, it, it's not all-inclusive. It's not everything that we've hoped for and more. But I think that this is a really good step towards addressing the FDA's open access to mail-out abortions, right? FDA approved um, um, mail-out abortions throughout America, but leaving open, obviously, that states can regulate that. And and this is incredibly important because as the bill sponsor, Nancy Tate, went on to explain, she was able to go online and order abortion pills in less than 15 minutes with no no medical screening, basically no questions whatsoever, it is absolutely absurd that you can kill your child and take an incredibly risky medication in the quote unquote privacy of your own home um, with no medical um, supervision, with no medical advice, with no medical nothing. This is how desperate we are in society. And this is a good step because let's be honest, let's be frank. This is an ongoing discussion within the pro-life movement. We are struggling to generate strategic plans and projects which will counter the abortion pill. This is not something that necessarily um, resonates with people um, with abortion victim photography. Peter, we have been so successful in changing hearts and minds on the abortion issue in general with abortion victim photography, but it's very difficult to connect people to the humanity of these preborn children the younger and younger they are. So often we are showing images of very developed 8, 9, 10, 11-week old children and and using that as a platform to say you know this is a human being that you can connect with on a emotional personal level let's talk about how even though they might not look the same they might not have the same limbs and expression and ability even earlier abortion is wrong because it kills an innocent human we're, we're using the starting point of human connection to build the case towards um, rejection of all abortions 
as fewer and fewer abortions are happening, except for the abortion pill, it does become more and more challenging for how do pro-lifers respond if, if you can't witness and pray outside of an abortion facility, if you can't communicate um, the, the humanity of the children in quite the same way with abortion victim photography, how do you communicate in an effective way? And I think this bill goes in a very good direction to well, towards protecting these preborn children in a very functional, very appropriate kind of way. It can go further, but again, hopefully this is a stepping stone towards further restriction of killing children. To, to call a spade a spade kind of thing that that this isn't we we absolutely can use the language of abortion this is a different episode entirely peter we're gonna have to do an episode on the language of the abortion debate um but i i think this is great for kentucky i hope that other um states and and even other countries embrace it as well but like you said stepping stone towards greater things lord willing that's right, sir. And this concludes this month's roundup of abortion-related news from around the world brought to you from a pro-life perspective. Obviously, there's far more news that has to do with abortion, but we choose sort of the most interesting, the most important uh, from our vantage point to share with you every single month. If this is your first time listening to The Pulse, thank you so much for tuning in. Check out some of our past episodes as well. We do regular episodes on apologetics, how you can be winsome and how you can be effective in your conversations about abortion with those around you who hold to a different worldview, a different position on the topic and the injustice. So check out some of our other episodes. If you want to reach out to us for any reason, you can do so on our website, prolifeguys.com. Check it out. There's also an FAQ page. Now, usually FAQ pages are pretty boring, Cam, but if you're an apologist or if you have questions about uh, anything within the pro-life movement, we've created this small database uh, I say small, we've only been doing this for two years or so, um, where we we take the questions and we show you precisely what episode the answer to that question is on. We update it regularly as we continue to record and post episodes. So go check it out, uh, prolifeguys.com. I don't know the exact link, but you can find the FAQs on that page. Uh, do reach out to us and do follow us as well on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, do like this video on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this content. And more importantly, Share this content with your friends. And I guess more importantly, go out and have those conversations. I think, Cam, one of the, the things that really stands out from this episode is the importance for us of doing that boots on the ground educational work of not just relying on the politicians. Sometimes they're going to give us a small win here or there. Sometimes they're going to give us, like Jason Kenny, a little bone to pick on to be satisfied for the next five minutes. Um, and sometimes, many times, uh, the courts and politicians are going to do precisely the exact opposite of truth, justice, and what we desire uh, of a healthy lifestyle and life, rather, for preborn children. This shows the importance of getting on the streets, of having those conversations with our families, our friends, our colleagues, the people we study with, of doing a justice ride with Created Equal, of doing an internship with the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, and so on and so forth, of being trained to have those good conversations about abortion. Do reach out to us for that reason as well. If you want to get involved, you don't know where to get involved, we, uh, we can most certainly connect you. Cam, good chatting with you today, sir. And I hope everyone here enjoyed this episode. And we hope you tune in again next time. God bless each and every one of you.